Welcome to CPF Firewire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to another episode of CPF Firewire, the monthly podcast from California professional firefighters. I'm Carol Wills, CPF Communications Director, and I'm joined, as always, by uh, CPF President uh, Brian Rice. Today we're going to talk politics, but not in the way you may think. Uh, Joining Brian and I today are three strong union members and leaders in their own locals, each of whom comes from a very different point of view in the political spectrum. We're going to talk together about how personal politics and union involvement can coexist no matter where you stand, why it matters that the union is fighting on the uh, field of battle of politics, both at the state and local level, as well as at the national level, and what it means and why um, it's important to stick together as firefighters and union members in the face of what is obviously, I think we all recognize, a a much more divisive uh, political climate. So uh, with Brian and I today are uh, Jason Cervantes and Kurt Kobler. Jason and Kurt are both uh, board members of Los Angeles County Firefighters Local 1014 and Mike Fye. Uh, who is uh, on the board of Sacramento Area Firefighters Local uh, uh, 522. Thank you all for joining us today. Um, So I'm going to start, as we normally do with these, by just kind of getting each of you to kind of tell a little bit of your story about about, uh, how you came to be a firefighter and uh, how you came to be uh, involved in in the local union. So, Jason, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, Jason Cervantes, Local uh, 1014. How did you... uh, how did you find yourself to, to the fire service? Well, I came out of the, uh, the United States Marine Corps. Uh, I went in right after high school, came out of there, and went into the fire department at age 22. So always, for me, it was always that, that everybody should do something. And public service was just a natural follow-through from being in the Marine Corps. Uh, being involved in the local union, I got on the board uh, three years ago. And I had always been involved with the union, always done what they asked. Uh, at the time, and early on in my career, raising young kids. So spent had a lot of time. To, I, I didn't have the time to devote at that time to be on the board, which because I knew how much time it took. And as my kids are now older, I have the time. But you were active like from always early active. on, from, from, from the first, from when you just started out? Always active in, the, in our union, always doing what they asked. I've always been around union guys, always worked around, tried to work around the union guys. I've always stayed very active. Mm-hmm. Had you, did you have in your background uh, union membership? Was that something that you'd sort of had a family connection My with? My father was in the union. He, they were, he worked for United Airlines. My father was in the union from, from birth, so... Um, Kurt, um, what's your, uh, Kurt Kobler, also local 1014, uh, how did you come to be a firefighter and how did you come to be involved with the union? Well, it goes back probably to, I was probably 16 years old. My, my uncle was a battalion chief of Chicago fire. When I go back and visit him, I just said, Hey, that's what I want to do. My father was self-employed anti-union guy. And that, that's the, the household I grew up in. So when, um, when I saw what my, my uncle did compared to what my father did, I go, private sector is not the way I want to go. And I uh, basically decided 
um, going back and forth to Chicago, seeing my uncle, I go, this is something I want to do. It took me, I think I didn't tell my dad until I was about 22 years old that I wanted to be a firefighter because he, he looked at, at public sector employees as um, takers, not givers, not, not doers. Um, obviously, it's a service-based, public service is service-based. It's based off of tax dollars and all that stuff. My dad was an anti-tax guy back in the day. But um, once, um, once, my, once I took that, that leap to, to get into the fire service, and then my father saw the good side of it. He kind of embraced that, but always been an anti-union guy, my father. But been in the fire service now for 28 years, 10 years with the city of Alhambra, and then um, 18 with L.A. County. Were you involved with the union from uh, early on in yes. your career? Yes. When I, when I, when I got hired in uh, 1992 by the city of Alhambra, I was more of a, um, I would say, I, you know, I was a Rush Limbaugh guy. I actually listened to Rush Limbaugh from probably the age of 16 till I was, till I got hired. And then um, I was taken in by the older group of guys that didn't have, we didn't have social media, obviously, back in the day. We had newspapers, right? Newspapers. And this, I remember this one guy asking me how, how I voted. And I, and back then, I remember saying I voted for the winner. And he set me aside and go, hey, kid, this was for governor back, back in uh, 1992 or 90, late 91, whatever that off your election, 90. And yeah, so then again, he just gave me an education on, on how, how our public, uh, our pensions are funded, how, how we receive our paychecks, all that stuff. And it took me about probably six months to change my view of how I was politically and uh, how I turned from more of a right-leaning guy to a, a left-leaning guy. Right. Okay, but, but then, and, and so you, but once you got, once you kind of, became engaged, then you continued on right. to be a part of the union. And, yes, and, yes, and, and, and absolutely. And, and, and that was one of the things that, that even though we were a small little four-station department, um, we had uh, John Tennant, who was the Pasadena right. guy, who came down to organize, to organize the city of Alhambra, Firefighters Association, because we just didn't know which way was up or down. Right. And that's when, you know, I, I kind of followed our board and did whatever they needed. We walked precincts. We did all, all the different things that, you know, Jason was talking about when he got engaged on back in the early days of his career. But no, it's, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's something that we have to be engaged in politically. Mike, uh, Mike Fye, Local 522. Well, tell us your story. How'd you get uh, to be a firefighter and, uh, and get involved with the union? I had an interesting, I came out of the military too. I came out of the army. Um, my wife and I moved to Washington after, right after I'd gotten out. We were in California, down in the L.A. area. And uh, when I got to Washington, we couldn't uh, afford the out-of-state tuition at the time for me to go to college up there. I was going to college down in uh, Long Beach. But uh, once we got up there, so I started testing for public service. And I didn't, didn't know one way or the other, fire service, police officer. So initially, I didn't score high enough on the test and became a police officer. Uh, I did that for about a year, <laughs> and uh, I, I, it was during that time that I realized. Uh, we'll republish this on the <laughs> Porak podcast. <laughs> but I realized that, uh, you know, uh, as a volunteer firefighter and working on the ambulance a little bit, that I really liked that side a lot more. Um, so at that time, I did a career swing. I put myself through Daniel Freeman down in L.A. County, went to paramedic school down there, and then. We ended up kind of landing in the Bay Area, and I ended up testing in Northern California, and I got a job here with Sacramento. I've been here for 25 years now. Um, I've been on the union board here for the city of Sacramento for six years. Uh, 
I go way back. I've always been involved in the union, similar to Jason. I mean, I did all this stuff early on, always active in the union, doing signs, being there for the other guys, but never really taking a, a, an active role. And then I had a little unfortunate accident with the propane or natural gas. Uh, I got burned, and at that time, Brian was the our union president, and I made sure that I wanted to really get active in the in the burn community and stuff like that. So I stepped forward and took a role on the advisory board initially for our burn foundation, and then I worked my way up and got to the executive board because we wanted to make some changes in how the foundation was kind of run. And uh, so again, I, I kind of took a back way into it, but again, uh, I, I'm, I serve as the membership services director from Sacramento, and there was really no focus as to what that is. And I've taken on a, a role of advocating for behavioral health with Brian. We got that started as well as for some of the other programs that have kind of left. We're starting to try and uh, spearhead some stuff with cancer, but that's kind of my foray into right. the union here. Did you have that uh, family background uh, with the, the union movement? Or? You know what? No. And I, I, no members of my family were actually union members at all. I mean, I didn't really, I didn't, Prior to getting hired with the fire service, I had been an ambulance. I worked for a private ambulance company that was, uh, we were a union shop there, and I'd gotten involved as a shop steward down there before I came over to the fire service. So that was really my first foray into that was being a, a shop steward with the private ambulance company before I stepped into public service. Brian, you've, we've talked about your background before, but I'm, I'm, I imagine there are things uh, in, in this gentleman's story that resonates with you as well in your path. A lot, Carol. You know, for me, the, the primary was becoming a firefighter. Um, um, when I was young, my father passed away. My two uncles were uh, fire captains in Southern California. They kind of took us brothers under their wing. And then when I became a firefighter, um, and back then, it, what, you weren't asked to join the union or the local. You were handed your card and said, you'll sign this and put $10 out uh, for your fee. And I did. And um, lo and behold, over the course of my career, union activity um, became very, very important to me. Um, and I started out uh, on the membership review committee for Local 522 and, and worked my way up um, from there to, I guess I could say, it, it, really, it really has been and is two careers, um, union and labor activism in the fire service and then my fire department career. Mm -hmm. So um, we have four, uh, as, as, as you've heard, four, um, four gentlemen, all of whom have very strong identification with their local unions. They work hard, they're passionate about, about, uh, about working on behalf of the membership. So now let's uh, ask the, uh, the next question. And um, we'll start with you, Kurt. Um, just kind of briefly describe yourself politically. Where do you stand on the spectrum? I would say I'm a uh, moderate Democrat. Mm -hmm. Jason, how would you describe yourself? I'm a moderate conservative. Okay. Mike? I would describe myself as a moderate Republican. Okay. Brian? I spend a lot of time with Mike, and I figured he was a far far closer to the right side of that. <laughs> no, I, very similar to, to, to um, uh, Kurt, I've, I've been a lifelong Democrat. I've considered myself um, on the moderate side. I can get, I can get a little liberal on, on certain issues, um, but, I, but I certainly feel like I fit into the moderate portion of the spectrum. Okay. Um, the reason we, so the reason we're together is to kind of, we wanted to get that out in the open because obviously 
what happens uh, in, especially in election years, but really kind of on a day-to-day basis uh, in the firehouse. Um, you all find yourselves talking with uh, with your brothers and sisters about uh, about a range of things, and I can't imagine but what politics comes up every now and then um, as a as a subject matter. Um, let me ask you uh, what the what the hot topics are in uh, uh, among the membership. I mean, what what really animates the members in the firehouse when uh, when the when the discussion turns to politics? Anybody? I would say, Mom, would, Kurt. I would say it'd be guns. Mm-hmm. Guns is one of the biggest issues, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously abortion mm-hmm. is what they generally get fired up about when it comes to politics. If they don't, I would say when they're talking about that, they're not actually talking about the stuff I want to talk about mm-hmm. when it comes to wages, hours, working conditions, right. pension security, and all that stuff. Because that, I, I look at at what I try to explain when I hear those issues. Um, I, I always explain that our union doesn't really address those issues. Right. It's all about wages, hours, working conditions, pension security, all that stuff. But it seems like we get go down that road all the time, and uh, it's like we can't. It's it's like those are the issues. There's probably a few more, but those are always the issues that that a lot of our members hang their hat on, and that's it. Okay, um, Jason. I think I think taxes actually actually taxes play into it also mm-hmm. for our guys, and and explaining that to them of why we're paying taxes, and but all they're seeing really is the programs that those taxes are funding. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that really fires up a lot of the right-leaning people, mm-hmm. right. for sure. And, and it, it definitely goes that route. That's a good point. When you talk about the tax side of it, most of our members, or probably maybe every taxpaying, every taxpayer out there, when, you, when, they, when they're upset about their taxes and they're upset about social welfare, welfare, welfare programs, I think what's important is that there's many programs out there that they're not even putting into that same category. You have corporate welfare. You have all these all, all these different welfare issues out there that they only focus on one. They focus on the individuals that are either, you know, don't make enough money and they get these subsidies to survive. Um, but it is an issue, but there's there's many other aspects of, of bad tax policy out there that are just welfare programs. There's, there's a gigantic, gigantic pool of welfare out there, right. corporate welfare. Both, you, I mean, you're out in the yeah, field no, a lot bo- talking both to of the Both of the things that, that Kurt and Jason um, mentioned are right there. And it can be kind of cyclic when you have a national election or a presidential election. That becomes an extreme um, hot topic. And, it, and it, it becomes also when you have a high-level state, um, state election for governor and, and some of the cabinet offices. Um, but that... That and certainly where we are right now, that is the catalyst. When we start having the start having the discussion, um, the discussion will be um, guns and Second Amendment rights, um, you know, uh, right to life, pro-choice. Um, the other one we've seen, and I've really been a little bit surprised, is some of the discussion um, on healthcare slash retirement. Right now, retirement's kind of quiet, but it comes up. But I. I feel like for us, as we go through this discussion, I want to hear what Mike has to say on it. Um, also, it, it it certainly seems like uh, governor, statewide electeds, um, Congress, Senate, 
in in presidential um, elections coming up. Right. Yeah. Uh, so 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 the 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 the. To some extent, the horse race a, uh, a little bit. Yeah, they they, they yes. talk about. Do people talk about the horse race? I mean, is that something that you know? Is it is, is it just the personalities or? I think it's more the personalities, right. to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And, and I think right now the the, the country is just so the, the it's been drawn along political lines right now. So mm-hmm. you have your left, and we have some far left, and every membership does, I'm sure. Right. But and we have our right, which and we have some far right, and and. They don't communicate very well with each other. I think the moderates do. They can see both sides, but the far left and the far right don't communicate at all, and that just leads to more of an argument. Then they don't want to hear any the reasoning behind it in a different way. Yeah, right. Which is again unhealthy. That's kind of why I'm some of the stuff we get here. I know Kurt hit it already. I mean, because usually the big three that I try and hit our members with is wages, benefits working conditions. That's what we're here to represent you guys for. And again, Carol alluded to it earlier, it never fails. The discussion always seems to turn one direction. Why are you guys endorsing this person? You know, and and they need to take a a broader look. I I know it's been interesting with some of the the IFF for Trump stuff that that popped up on the social media. and I've seen this here. I went to the Republican convention here last year. I represented the CPF, and I had some very interesting discussions uh, with, with some of the individuals there. And I think a lot of it comes down to is people need to educate themselves. They don't truly understand the issues. They they read what's uh, on Facebook. They read these Twitter feed things and stuff like that. And then they take that information and they turn it around and in the firehouse, it, right. it, it's, well, it's like throwing gas on the, on the kitchen table and somebody lighting a match. You know, it's so funny that, that he mentions that because when I was sitting in the airport this morning to fly up here, I limit my, my I got a limit every day on Facebook. Now it's 30 minutes. That's all I, I, on my phone. It only allows me to go 30 minutes and I'm done. Well, that explains a lot. Right. That's, there, there you go. I, it, it takes up too much time. But just this morning, one of our members posted on just like a little meme that um, Democrats voted uh, unanimously to not give a cost of living increase on Social Security. I know that they don't it's they don't even vote on this stuff. It's automatic cost of living for these these individuals. And people are just like you're saying on social media are just reposting stuff that gets guys fired up and they just they've run with it. it it's unfortunate because social media has 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 caused our members to 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 on either side doesn't matter what side it's on either to post some of the most ridiculous stuff and they just go with it and they believe it it's unfortunate and then the, then the pack mentality takes over <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah because exactly. as soon as somebody posts something whether it's right or wrong right. or it's based in fact or not it just takes over and it just flourishes is like you wouldn't primary, believe is that the primary influence do you think social media or uh, are there other news media i mean stuff that's on in the fire station or things like that i mean you know tv's on so tv's on probably so. depends on which channel it's Correct. tuned to absolutely right absolutely and, and it could be different from day to day but i, I think Primarily right now, everybody's means of communicating is, has become social media. Because I think it's transition. Kurt said it earlier, too. Is like Back in the day, we would all sit there and you'd read the newspaper. Everybody got the newspaper at the fire stations. I think 99% of our stations don't even get the paper anymore. It's all what's, you know kind of on the news or something like it, but you would, you would discuss it around the table and, and some of these things would come up, even though we always said, yeah, you know, politics isn't part of the discussion at the kitchen table. It always turned that way anyways. And some of these issues now, I, I think they get more contentious 
just because of the way it happens over Facebook. I've seen members who, I mean, are good union brothers and sisters to go after each other on a, a social media medium where probably in the past, if, if it was at the kitchen table, it might've gotten a little contentious, but it would never be to the point of what it's, what's happened now with social media. So yes, I, I think a lot, social media has a lot to do with it. Okay, Mike, you said that you, you went, I know you went to the Republican convention this year. Um, what did you, what did you take away from that as being a, a registered Republican and going and a firefighter and union firefighter and going to the convention? What, um, what did you take away and what could be done better into the future? I think it just, it goes just like in the fire station. Same thing is educating people about, you know, truly what our beliefs are. Um, cause everybody wants to stand there with firefighters and, you know, get your picture taken and do all this stuff yet they don't really understand the issues. A lot of the people that were there, there were very few that actually understood, you know, what pensions are about, how they work, you know. They don't truly understand the issues. A lot of these people that are in there are doing the same thing that our firefighters do. They, they read social media, they get Twitter, whatever, and then they just get off on a tangent about where some of the stuff is. So I think the biggest thing that people can do is truly get back to, you know, actually reading a you know, articles and stuff like that, you know, from, I would say almost now you have to get a, a, a trusted journal or something like that. Because again, some people think that they're reading trusted media from social media stuff. And some of it, it is, it's twisted and they're not getting the truth. So it was, I think the biggest thing is people need to, they need to educate themselves and actually take that on. Right. Yeah. And that's a, and that's kind of probably an area where, uh, a union can be kind of a trusted validator because you you as so long as you kind of understand the per, the perspective uh, that they're coming from because it's very difficult and, and it's not just it's not just firefighters obviously it's society at large that is uh, that's sort of captive to this this new reality of how we how we communicate with each other. Um, let me ask you this. Um, you all, as union leaders, um, probably the political realm that you're really, uh, really most focused on is um, uh, is local politics. By the way, I'm amazed we managed to only get we managed to get probably seven minutes in before Trump's name was mentioned. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, so I think we've I think I think we've established that this is. Um, um, we're going to talk about um, uh, the issues that relate to their union membership. Um, are there places where do these do these partisan um, do these partisan differences? Do you find them reflected in how people are um, reacting to local races, the the local council races, and and um, um, and supervisor races, the things that are kind of your bread and butter as union leaders and the things that uh, probably uh, have the, the most direct effect on their, their pocketbooks? I, I, just personally, I, I don't see our membership complaining so much about our local races at all mm-hmm. or even our supervisor races. Yeah, I know, agree with I, Jason, seeing yeah. exactly the same thing. It just doesn't come into play. No, it, it's up here in the state or it's the federal where our guys really take a stance one way or the other, but the the local, I, I don't see it personally. Yeah, they, they they don't. I think they don't see it because they don't see an R or D next to any other names. Right. That's that's what it is. And when they when they don't see that, 
when they don't see that and they see us send out stuff like for the 59 cities we govern, if they happen to live in any of those cities, we ask them to vote for these city council people because they support labor. But then when it comes to state and federal stuff, they got to see that RD because they want to vote RD only. Right. Right. We have a, I would say we have a little different spin currently here in the city of Sacramento because our current mayor was a council member, went to the state level, then came back down from the state level and is now currently our mayor. And he painted himself as a, a more, I would say, I don't want to say liberal candidate, but basically as opposed to the more conservative Democrat. And they did kind of make it a, a partisan race a little bit. And uh, where it's been funny is the fact that Truly, he doesn't under he doesn't support all labor, just parts of the labor that are going to be more beneficial to him. So right. sometimes I think it, it it does becomes partisan, even though it's not supposed to be. It does, and uh, politics do play a certain percentage. I mean, of course, at the state level, yeah, it's always bigger. But it's funny, I have some better relationships with some Democrats than I do with some of the Republicans too that mm-hmm. also work in there. Even though that's you know kind of some of the point of view that I come at things with, but it is interesting. Um, now, so do you find, uh, and then ask this is sort of personally, uh, more, per, this is sort of more personally. I mean, do you find yourself in situations, um, where you, you feel conflict between your, um, your role as a union leader and your union identification and, and, and your, uh, and your political beliefs? Are there tension points in, in, in that, uh, that, connection yes i know i don't know how i don't know how you how you couldn't there that is a spectrum whether it's professional politics or personal politics and you really for yourself i'll use my myself as my example try to try to be well read try to be informed on the issues and there are issues that are really important to me um but there are issues that conflict the daylights out of me um uh, it, you know, a discussion on a death penalty. I have a brother that was murdered. Um, it all, it all finished out because the guy who killed him ended up, um, getting killed by police. So that in, in a chase, but that kind of ended that, but, but the whole notion or the thought of a death penalty, I don't want to be the guy pulling the trigger or pushing the button. It kind of makes me sick to my stomach, mm-hmm. you know, personally. But then, you know, you have these things in life that you look at. Um, the the whole right to life question. My wife and I um, are on different different ends of that, where I'm a pro-choice and and she's a pro-life, and and it's a very personal discussion that. You know, when it came to work and when it comes to um, union work, I don't. Whoever listens to this, I don't have this discussion with anybody, mm-hmm. but very close personal friends. I don't know how you could go through life and not be personally conflicted in politics at some point or another. Right. There's just stuff that does. Mm-hmm. And I, so, let's go, go ahead, Mike. Because I, I think this is one of the ones we all get hit with all the time. And it's just like, you know, how can you guys support so and so? It's like, you know what? I mean, that's a personal decision. You guys are going to have to, but you need to educate yourself. It just gets back to actually seeing where they are on the issues. And then you're going to have to make a choice. We don't dictate, you know, who you should vote for. 
We, we give you the, our best choice when it comes back to the big three again, wages, benefits, and working conditions. What's going to benefit you as a member? And then you need to make a choice. We don't tell you who you need to vote for. I always get hit on that one. Well, the unions tell me to vote for so-and-so. Well, that's not true. We're recommending that you might vote for so-and-so, and it's based on our big issues that, that we're looking at. But again, I, think, I, I don't think you can be in this position either way, right left, whatever, without being somewhat conflicted way politics are right now. But again, that's why if you educate yourself, you, I mean, you end up better off. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't think any, any moderate on either side could not be conflicted. I mean, if you're far left or far right, you probably have no conflicts whatsoever. But, <laughs> but being, being a moderate on either side, you're going you're gonna to be conflicted for right. sure. And the, you know, as in our union capacity, it's a very narrow focus right. of what we suggest to our members. So, and, and I agree with that. Education is huge. And, you know, not only educating themselves, I think that's part of our job as, as a union guy to educate them. This is why the union is backing this candidate. Right. Specifically. It doesn't have to do with your morals. No, right. But kind of what Mike was talking about. What, what I, when I'm having a discussion with somebody, laying everything out about what we have, why we have it, the whole nine yards, and if they still disagree with me, I always tell them, hey, you know what? Yeah, the union may be going this way, but if you want to go that way, that's fine. Fine and dandy. you got to remember that there's, there's people on the other side that see what you have and want to take it away. Whether it be Democrats and Republicans. We know we had a, um, a, a mayor up in San Jose that, that was just, I mean, he was the... Oh, yeah, yeah, he was he, the poster child. Right, uh, you know, yeah. right, Chuck right, Reed, right, the yeah. poster child for, <laughs> exactly, for killing right. pensions. Exactly, that, that was the guy. We all know he was a turncoat. You know, he, he'll, he'll never hold any political office ever again, as long, as long as there won't be a labor union that would ever support him, ever. But, you know, we... More we like, not, not so much a turncoat, but that's the coat he was wearing. Right, you know, right. it's like he was wearing an anti-union coat. Yeah, a Democrat, you know, he was a Democrat, right. but he was wearing an anti-union mm -hmm. right. coat. But, but then again, you know, we, there's, there's, there's two sides. There's money on both sides. One side wants to see organized labor gone. That's what it comes down to. They want to see every ounce of organized labor gone. They'd like to see us go back 50, 60, 70 years. And um, that's what I try to tell guys. We see union membership going down in the private sector. I mean, right now, it's pretty much public employee unions that are holding everything together across every, every state. Now, Mike, you, you, you touched on this. You've all kind of touched on this in, in, in various ways, which is this philosophy about political action, that making, rec making those recommendations. Certainly at the state level, we, we feel this way, and obviously the local level, at every level, making those recommendations on the core firefighter and labor issues, salaries, benefits, working conditions. Obviously, retirement security is, is, is huge. Public safety support. Um, Brian, talk a little bit. Uh, if you would, as the president of, of, of CPF, about why you think why you think it's so important to zero in on 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 those particular issues. Why you think that really is at the heart of of, of the union's job? Well, and, and a lot of guys probably will cringe when they hear me say this. Those are your pocketbook and your wallet issues. Uh, those are the issues that allow you to provide for your family. They allow you to potentially provide a college education for your kids. And um, those are the issues that members pay dues and elect us to represent them on. And 
It is. It's 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 really hard because you know members do want to talk to you about the full spectrum of them, and I've had I've had members you know point right at me and say, "Well, you vote with your wallet," and and yeah, the answer is you're damn right I do, but that's not the only thing I vote with. Other things matter to me too. But I've always I've told our members in Sacramento, and and I carry this to um, the CPF. In the, in the way that we as CPF leadership can affect you locally with um, um, uh, law, legislation, and policy. And that is, here. this is my union politics, wages, hours, working conditions that allow you to raise your family on a single income if you choose. If you agree with me, and I have yet to have anybody say they don't, then let me do my or our job as a team to put that in front of you. Whether you vote for it or not, um, that's your choice. But I, I don't know, there are some issues that I would love to dive in more, but they, they aren't, part of, part, aren't part of our livelihood, aren't part of our profession, aren't part of our safety rules and regulations, aren't part of our protections. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they're personal. And you know, even as a president of CPF and the president of Sacramento Firefighters, I bit my tongue a lot. You've got to stay in that vein. A lot of other unions, uh, there, are, you know, there are a lot of other unions that, that approach, that look at it a little differently. I mean, uh, we were at a, at a conference just this past weekend, and, and there were some folks with some, uh, some unions there um, um, that view themselves much more as kind of social activist uh, organizations as opposed to uh, uh, as opposed to uh, member driven. I get the sense based on what Brian is saying and but what we've all talked about that that you all feel as though staying on those core issues is is important. Sure. I think. Go ahead, go ahead, Mike. Um, again, we struggle with our central labor council here, and it's a lot of because of social issues because they have a tendency to deviate down that that pathway. Where again, as a local, and we've gone out there, the president and I and. Uh, made it clear. I mean, we represent our members in three core, the three core areas, and and that's where we make our decisions. Unfortunately, I mean, sometimes they make their decisions on social issues, and that's the prerogative of their union. But again, we try and try and stay to those core issues when we're we're making these decisions. One of the other ones that always gets me, and I'm sure you guys have heard this too, is you guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like no it's all of us we are a union that's what it's about i mean and it's not you guys if you have an opinion and stuff like that you disagree with this you know one way or the other come down make your voice heard unfortunately i think we all talk at conferences and stuff when we get together but i, I don't think anybody we're, we're all struggling with some of the, the the same issues which is membership involvement i mean our last uh, city area meeting here, uh, the it, it turned into a city area uh, board uh, just get together to uh, compare information because again we had one member show up, that was it. Out of 600 members for us, we had one show up. So again, it, it comes down to people need to educate themselves, get involved because we are all the union. Is politics has it become a, a a complicating factor for you as as union uh, as union leaders in terms of developing that activism, developing that engagement. I mean, are there are you getting pushback from people who say that I don't want to be involved in politics because uh, because the union's too left or or whatever? I, I don't I don't see that. Mm -hmm. I I just see that the the 
activism has definitely dropped off in, in, over my career for sure from what it is unless we have a big issue and we're rallying the troops but i mean when we hold membership meetings just like you we, we don't get too many but with social media now they're holding meetings every day uh, yeah, exactly, on their own yeah. without without us with our input or not so <laughs> and they're and they're like i said it becomes that pack mentality where they're running off of prop you know more than likely bad information right and they don't understand where we're coming from and then once one of us posts something then it becomes a free-for-all really right right yeah <laughs> you know uh, mike mike was talking about the uh you know pension stuff and and, and trying to get your guys activated and, and and motivated but you know what what's what what blows me away is that maybe it's the fault of of our local unions not teaching the new guys, which we're kind of trying to do in the activation committee, trying to get out to the new guys. Well, Jason, well, with Cervantes and I, when we go talk to the new recruits, we talk about joining the union, why we make what we make. It's all because of elected officials across the board. But what I try to do, I, I try to get out and, and visit the stations and talk to guys when I have the time. And I, I, I break everything down for them on, on the chalkboard or, or the whiteboard. Um, how how and why, how our pensions are invested, where the money's at, what, what lobbyist groups we have in the state, the federal level, and then in, in something I never knew we even existed was NCPERS. And I think I never understood what the National Committee NCPERS is the National Conference on uh, Public Employee Retirement Systems. Right, it, and it's something that that's our voice of public employee pensions at the federal level. It's gigantic. It's a, we're talking $3.5 trillion of pension fund money that that most of our members don't even know where, where the, how the money, where the money is at, how it's invested, all these different things. But that, 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 that conference, first time I got to, just blew me away on, on what's going on out there trying to privatize all of our pensions. They want to grab that money mm-hmm. between our pension fund money and the, secu- the Social Security Trust Fund money. Just because we're not going to receive Social Security, or maybe our wives are or whatever, there's an actual gigantic push to get a hold of that three and a half and that other $5 trillion to be able to maintain or charge the maintenance uh, funds on that money. It's, it's, it's something that a lot, a lot of people don't understand or, or just don't care about right now. Right. But that, that's what I try to get out to guys to, to realize. Wages, hours, working, working conditions, retirement, security, pension security. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal, and it's, it's something that we need to do, CPF and the local level, to, t- to teach guys that this is what's going on and all the attacks uh, out there on our, on our, on our money. Now, I mean, you mentioned you and Jason both go out. You, you, oh, yeah. You guys both go out and, and, and make this case. Obviously, you, you come from, you come at the world from different political perspectives, right. sure. but there's a there's there's that common argument right. and common understanding. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. We get along every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I think just to kind of finish that one, people make a lot of assumptions, too, that automatically just because, you know, I'm a director on the union and stuff like that involved with the union that, I'm automatically a, a liberal Democrat. I mean, <laughs> they just make that a, the assumption straight off the board. It's happened more than once. And I think sometimes I, I look at that as a positive because then, you know what, I, I'm, I'm pretty much staying to the middle and I'm representing the employees and stuff like that. But again, it's interesting because it happens on both sides. Same thing happened to me at the Republican convention. People just, you know, made an assumption that, you know, I was this total right wing guy because I was here at the at the Republican convention, but I think you can get out there and, and represent the members' values and stuff like that uh, 
productively to you through some of these and having conversations again gets back to solving some of the issues right. and, and that's that whole education piece too mm-hmm. you, you know the going out and explaining to them well this this is why we're doing this as a union as a union board we're united this is why we're backing this candidate for instance right right but um, based solely just on what the what our narrow focus is as a union which is why they elected us right exactly yeah they they elected you to to represent their interests now, places where oftentimes at the top, it's the top of the ticket races where this understanding is, is you know, it, it's kind of hardest to, to render. Uh, in uh, 2018, um, uh, Gavin Newsom was running for, for governor. I think probably it's fair to say, I think you probably would agree that on most non-firefighter issues, um, Governor Newsom's probably to the left of where a lot of our members stand. Uh, I don't think there's really there's any mystery about that. Um, um, firefighters tend to be a more conservative group than most union groups and probably even the, the nation as a whole. But on the core union issues, there really was no comparison. The Republicans who were running wanted all wanted to in the primary all wanted to do away with private with the uh, with the uh, um, uh, defined benefit pensions. Uh, they all had uh, bad things to say about unions. They were really, and Gavin Newsom had been there with with firefighters for a long time. So CPF went all in for Gavin pretty early. Um, was that the right move? Do you think? I mean, and and how did you, how difficult was it to relate that um, the those core values and that. Uh, that core issue in a high-profile race like that? Was it the right move? Absolutely. And looking at the issues that affect our members, um, protecting and understanding our working conditions, he, he, he was there. John Cox, um, I, I, actually, I'll just say we had two, we had two candidates, we, we, but we all know their names. Where were they on the issues? But let's forget their names. Let's forget um, their political affiliation and just look at the columns on, on where, they, where they stood, where the protection was. One candidate uh, felt that public employees, especially firefighters, were overpaid and that that, um, that scale needed to be brought back. One candidate supported it. One candidate supported um, defined contribution uh, pensions, privatizing pensions. The other candidate supported defined benefit pensions. And y- you, can, you can go right down the line, and I was thinking about this because I got caught up in this conversation with a, a cabinet-level elected official that was um, putting a speech together on um, trade and trade agreements. And as I listened to it, the, the one thing that struck me in the suggestion was take the names out of it. Just put the policy in there and let people hear what the policy is and make a decision on the policy. And then if we go back, Carol, we'll, I'll, I'll touch it, I'll just do it. From our state election, we go back to the national election, our last presidential election. And we had two candidates that were absolutely polarizing to our membership and and had a personal conversation with the general president. And I'm in a minority here because I told him, stay out of this. If you make an endorsement, and, and that's with a full understanding of what it meant, 
Supreme Courts, you know, Supreme Court appointees, cabinet appointees. If you make an endorsement here, you will spend four years trying to repair this international because it will split. And with our state election, I certainly don't feel like we were at at that level. Though that was a point in time with two candidates. I don't know if you'll ever see it again in our lifetime, but when people use the word hate in that context, they really meant it. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> and there certainly was one candidate that very clearly was better for us professionally. And, and that, that comes, it, it's hard. This is, this is not an easy um, road. I don't care where you sit, local, local union executive board, local president, you know, state executive board, international. It, it's a very big deal. And you're trying to make the absolute best decision on behalf of your members. And a lot of times it will not be popular whatsoever. And I, I even think back on the national one and, and I try not to second guess, but um, that, that, was, that was a tough one. Our state election for, for me, that, that was a no brainer on, on who I was going to personally vote for and, and then professionally endorse. There just really wasn't a choice there. And I think a lot of our members sometimes, they make an assumption that we go straight down the ticket, D, 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 D. And that's not true at all. Um, just recently, we were involved. We sat down here, we were interviewing candidates for a, a state Senate district race. And just like some of these other things, and I've seen the Republicans do this as well, is just because they don't think they have a chance, they don't show up to the interview. And again, I've walked into more interviews uh, earlier on in my career of like, hey, we're going to go this way, kind of. And I've sat there and I've listened to the candidates. We've just, we asked them all the same uh, questions on where they stand on certain issues. And we've actually come out the other side, being educated, I think, a little bit better. And actually making an endorsement that if you thought, someone, well, we're going to go strictly with a Democratic candidate, that's not always true. And I think CPF has demonstrated that. But one of the last times, none of the Democrats. Uh, the Democratic candidates showed up. It was only Republicans. So again, people make an assumption that we're only going to go one way, and that's not true. I mean, we true, truly try and stick to the issues that are going to benefit our members. And Brian kind of hit it. I mean, if you if you take the names out and the, the D or the R out of it and go straight down and look at where they stand on the issues, sometimes that does, it makes it easier. And I mean, then at the end, you're going to have to, you know, have, have your discussion internally on where you're going to go. Right. And it's fair to say, historically, CPF and really IFF at the national level uh, endorses far more Republicans than other than other labor unions do. Um, CPF has always tried to sort of stick to that uh, nonpartisan uh, perspective. Before we before we leave it too much, though, I wanted to maybe get get a sense from you all back to the issue of, of Gavin Newsom. How did that go over? With, with the membership, and was that more difficult than uh, in, was that a more difficult sell for, uh, for the rank and file than maybe other elections have been because, because it was the top of the ticket, because of the personalities involved or whatever? Well, Kurt, go ahead. Yeah, what I, what I ended up doing was I saw the, uh, the video of John Cox talking about defined benefit pensions and right. firefighters being overpaid, and what I did, when I went, I talked to guys or I'd send uh, the YouTube video of what he thought of firefighters. And I go, hey, guys, I know you're supporting this guy. That's fine. You can vote for him. But this is what this guy thinks of public employees, 
firefighters especially because of, of what they ended up making based on the Wolseley fire, all these other things that were at, were at work for 20 plus days. But for the most part, after, the, after I showed the video to a bunch of those guys, they flipped, which, and that's just a handful of guys that, that I was at, probably about, about 25 guys probably. But um, I think for the most part, um, the far right leaning members still voted for him because of his positions on, this, on his right. social issues. Yeah, I think it was it was definitely a, a little bit more work, especially going in all in early. Um, obviously, being on the uh, uh, to the right, I mean, I, that's where a lot of my phone calls come from from our membership, which is to the right. It's like how how could you back this guy? Well, when you and being educated, it all goes back to well, this is why we're we're only here with a very narrow focus. Again, we're we're not here for your moral issues. We can't take 3,200 members' moral issues into account. We're here for your professional career and explaining why we back Newsom and solely that is the reason, just for your professional career. That's it. Now, so it was a lot more education. I mean, everywhere you went, obviously, it was. The interesting <laughs> one, too, for me is, I mean, it translates over to home, too. I mean, because in my household, and uh, usually that's something that we don't discuss a lot of in politics. Because <laughs> sometimes, uh, but again, that was a that was a real tough one, even for you know my wife and I in, in our discussions of how do you do it. But again, I, I think the way Brian described it about you know taking the names out and just come to the issues that are going to, and then in the end, you got to make your own decision. Do you think the membership? Do you think members? Well, well, let me put it this way. Give, us, give me your understanding and, and sort of an explanation from your perspective uh, as, as local leaders out in the field about why it's important in particular for organizations like CPF to be involved in state-level politics. Why does it matter that we're uh, – why, why is it uh, – let, let, well, let me ask it a different way. Do you think the membership – uh, generally, the rank and file membership understands the impact that Sacramento has on their lives. Uh, no, they don't. No, they I, don't. I agree. They yeah, do I would, not. I would agree too. They, they don't, do they not don't understand. Right. So, they don't. No, no. They they don't understand that that legislation drives everything mm-hmm. from the top down. That's a, it, even at the the city level, everything drives that. Hey, we're, we're going to build a new fire station. The city council votes on that. Legislation like the PTSI bill, all the things that we lobbied for back in uh, back in what was it April? We came up here and did all. We had five or six core things that we were going after. Matter of fact, when we're talking about the Republicans and Democrats, we had an impromptu meeting with with a uh, um, an LA County Assembly member, Philip Chen, who is a Republican and he's a moderate Republican. He's a big supporter of labor. Um, so those those types of things are 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 our members need to know, um, but. They, a lot of them don't realize what happens up here um, at the state level from, you know, the, the Public Employee Pension Reform Act. That's, that's there because of legislation. How do we change that? Through legislation. That's the only way it's going to change to benefit our, our members down the road. Every piece of legislation we have in this session, with the exception of one, um, which the decision was made to park it for the time being, is through their committees and then going to the floor for votes. And I, I, as sure as I'm sitting here, if we were not politically active, none of those would be going for a floor vote. Um, and we're talking about important stuff. Import PTSI yeah. presumption, um, a correction in um, CalPERS calculations, um, uh, prohibiting contracting out um, 
public safety dispatch, community paramedicine. Uh, if we weren't if we weren't active on a daily basis at the Capitol um, and on the phone and in discussion with staff members, none of those bills would be in play. And that, and you can you can go right back right back through the years. Um, it it would go that way. You have to be politically active, and it's not just about money. It's about building um, and establishing good working relationships that I think. Quite frankly, Carol, watching the process in the last year, some of our elected officials could learn a little bit about some of the diplomacy that goes on for what I've seen the men and women in the field do um, with at a local level, what I've seen them do with their electeds about how to how to get to a conclusion, how to get somewhere that is beneficial to all as opposed to you have the far left party line. If it's not that, it's no. Far right, if it's not the party line, it's no. I honestly feel like the, the men and women in the trenches right now are as good or better at diplomacy and getting things to work than, than some of our folks that are elected. Um, Mike? Jason, well, I, I agree. They, they, they don't realize they, they don't realize it. And I, and I don't blame them either. Otherwise, they would have ran for a spot. Right. Right. They, they elected us to go do that for them. But uh, well, that's you know, life, you know, people have lives. Absolutely. And, you know, absolutely. But the onus is on us to bring back to them and educate them mm -hmm. and tell them this is why we're right. doing that. And that's not just the local level. It's the state also and the and the international. It's, it's on them to educate their members of this is why. This is why we're backing this candidate, and it's solely professionally. Right. That's it. So uh, we talked about how the, the endorsements are, are nonpartisan. Um, generally speaking, even though CPF and IFF tend to endorse more Republicans than other, other unions, it usually winds up being mostly Democrats that, that, that are endorsed by, uh, by CPF. So I want to sort of maybe ask a question a little bit differently based on kind of where you stand, maybe for, uh, for Mike and Jason as, as, as the Republicans here. Um, what do you think, if anything, that either CPF or local unions can or the union movement in general can or should be doing to help Republicans better understand and be more receptive to to union issues, union concerns, fire, firefighter issues or anything? Yeah, I, I think first off, I mean, we've got to have the conversation. I think. I, I've watched personally uh, some uh, of the locals and stuff like that not engage Republican uh, politicians just based on the fact that, well, he's never going to, you know, they're never going to go with us. And, and maybe they're not. But you know what? If you don't get out there and have that conversation with them, they're never going to understand your issue in the first place. They're going to do just like what a, lots of times what happens with our members is they just make assumptions. So just getting in there, having that conversation with them, to explain what are truly our issues are, I think we've been very successful when it comes to actually crossing the aisles. I think as a labor organization, we've been very successful in getting bipartisan support for most of the legislation that we, we push forward. And I, I think we've been successful, but it, it starts at being willing to have that conversation and discuss, 
I get it. We're never all going to disagree on the same or agree on the same things. And the fire service, even if you put two Democrats in the fire station, they're going to argue about something anyways. It doesn't really matter. Same thing with Republicans. But if we can have a conversation and it's a civil conversation and we're not shouting at each other, I think we can get more accomplished than not. And I, I think we're on as a state, we're, we're on the right track. We're reaching out. We are trying to reach out. Um, if you're getting rebutted by that, I mean, it, it's going to happen. I mean, but I, I think the way I see it kind of going now is, is the younger electeds that are above us um, in, in the Capitol and, and in the feds. Those are tending to be more moderate than the older Republicans and Democrats that are. And so I think over time, it's not going to be immediately, but I think over time still having that conversation and, and engaging them. I think we're going to we're on the right track. And that's kind I of think. a role that as local leaders you can play a part in because a lot of times it's local elected officials that are then Absolutely. moving on to the Absolutely. to the next level. Um, for the Democrats, Brian and, uh, and Kurt, maybe approach it a little differently um, and, and as sort of more of a philosophical question. Do you think CPF uh, and or local unions can or should do more to use their influence to try to moderate some of the, you know, what tends to be more you know, sort of extreme positions maybe or p positions that are viewed as extreme um, by our members uh, on some of these hot-button topics. I mean, can, I guess the question is, can firefighters as an organization be in any way a moderating force even in a, in a, in a state that, let's face it, is pretty strongly democratic and and fairly uh, liberal democratic <clears throat> you want to go i'll go, I'll go, ahead. Yeah. go ahead. yes i think we we absolutely need to be um a part of that voice and, and we may find ourselves being the only voice and and this was one of the things that i learned in the last year we had one firefighter attend the republican convention and pushed them hard to do that and then did some follow-up with them in you know talking about our issues and and what what i found interesting was um once you could well mike once he f figured out and could get people to back up from whatever the party line was there was actually a decent educational give and take we should have 20 Republican firefighters go to the next one. And here's the reason why. Our issues are the same, whether it's Republican or Democrat. But if we don't have our members in the ear of um, Republican electeds, who's going to tell them our story? Somebody else. And I, I, that was the lesson that I took out from that. If we are going to be a voice of, of moderation and, and getting it done for our members, we can't pick and choose who we're going to talk to. We have got to be um, talking to everybody. And here's the beauty of it. We don't have to alter what we're saying because it's the same thing, whether you're talking to a conservative, a liberal, a Republican, a Democrat, our message is the same. Right. And I mean, to some extent, CPF kind of put its money where where its mouth is in that respect by participating, you mentioned Mike talk, uh, participating in the Republican convention, but also uh, CPF had some strong representation at the, at the Democratic convention. And that was, 
it's fair to say around the idea of getting a, a, a labor voice. Having our voice heard. Yes. Heard. And it, you know what, Carol, it goes, and I'll go back to the building trades and working with um, their president, Robbie Hunter. The building trades membership and the firefighter membership, as far as um, politics, are very, very similar. And one of the things that I had talked to Robbie about was um, he terms it, and I love it, a blue collar revolution. We need to see a democratic party that goes back to working men and women, um, jobs, a working middle class, benefits. And we've gotten very far away from it. And that is one of the reasons we had a, um, uh, a big presence at, at the uh, democratic party convention was we needed our voice heard. We feel like this party has moved away from where our members live. And I don't feel like it. They have. And it's got to come back. And on the other side, we have got to have our members talking to the other side of the political house so that our message and our voice gets heard there, too. And I, I think that's been a, a little I don't know how much of a change it'll make, but at least we'll know this. We put our voice out there. Kurt, do you have any any thoughts on that? Is that is this a, a place where we can firefighters can have an impact? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I, the one example I can give is when uh, when um, Brian and Mike came out and did a little tour regarding Mike just, Lopez. Mike Lopez, CPS. yes. When they came out and uh, Sean Stark was there also, they came out and they were just talking about the the Prop Six, the gas tax, and why they took the position to support it. Many of our members were like, "What? Why are we doing this?" Because back know? to what Jason was talking right. about, why, tax issues. Yeah, why are we doing this? And well. I knew, I knew why we were doing it, and, and it made sense, because every single city in the state receives money that goes into their general fund to fix their streets. And, you know, that, that was an important issue. And when the, the, day, the day that Brian came out to Station 116 in, in the city of Carson, most of those guys were standoffish about it until he talked about it, and Dave Gelati was there, spoke about it, and they got it after that. They figured out, mm -hmm. oh, my God, the city of Carson receives $2.3 million dollars per year for this guy. So it, th those types of issues to reach out to, to explain to people why, why we get what we get and why we back certain issues. And still, and, 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 and that whole thing came down to wages, mm -hmm. hours and working right. conditions, not only for us, but for the citizens and all the public employees that work for the city of Carson and every single public employee right. in, in that area. And I think uh, Brian's always very open to having the discussion about some of these things too, which has been, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of members don't approach him and ask him some of the questions on well, why just to get those answers. Because I mean, even sometimes, cause I, I think sometimes we make an assumption. I'm a, I'll speak for myself, but, um, cause we're, we're totally, uh, involved. We're in deep on all these issues and dealing with this stuff on a day to day basis. And I think sometimes we need to take a step back and look at what we're messaging to our members to make sure that we're getting out that message of why we're supporting something like Prop Six. I mean, just just because if if we don't, then our members just make an, an assumption that that we're disengaged from what the true beliefs are. And I, I met with Brian and Robbie, and we've talked about it, and they had some of the same struggles that that we did. We, we laughed. You're talking about Rob, Robbie Hunter. With Robbie Hunter, trades. yeah. And uh, it, it was very interesting because I, I thought, well, that's just pretty much the fire service. No, but there are a lot of the labor organizations that are very similar to us in our beliefs and firefighters as well as police officers lots of times too that are a little bit more conservative in some of their values that actually 
their, their members feel they're completely disengaged and they're not looking at it um, the right way. They're not educating themselves. Do you think, do you think we talked about, uh, uh, pol- political, uh, the political parties, but do you think that the firefighter voice can be a, a, a constructive moderating force within the union movement? I absolutely. Think so. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. I think, I think a lot of times, again, that's one of the things that, that people like about firefighters. We end up being leaders in, in the community. We can set the example. We, so there's no reason that we couldn't lead on this issue. And I think we've started to, and again, in building some of those relationships with uh, the building trades and stuff like that and doing some of those things uh, that maybe we can start to cross the aisle more often than not and actually push you know, some of the values of what we truly believe in as firefighters because we can be leaders. Um, well, I think that um, we've probably touched on just about everything that, uh, that we could possibly touch on. Maybe just, maybe just close briefly with kind of a, I don't know, kind of an idea of what you would say to, uh, you're talking, you know, a lot of people who are listening to this are rank and file members, not all, uh, not all leadership. Um, and you know, you, when you talk to those members who, um, who feel those conflicts, Maybe just give me a sense as to what what you say to them, what your what your pitch is, and how you sort of explain to them their ability to to reconcile their union membership with what they may see as a, as 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 a, as their political identification. Jason, maybe what do you say? I mean, what's your what's your what's your pitch? What's your well, we're 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 elected to represent all voices in our membership. So whether and we don't take political party into an account in anything, but so we're there as they're elected to represent their voice just for the big, the big issues, wages, hours and working conditions. That that's it. That's all we're there for. And I have this discussion all the time with our guys because, like I said, they know that I'm a, I'm a Republican. So I get those questions of you guys got to be crazy that you're backing this. And it's like, well, we are. And here's why. So, but we represent, I represent the Democrats on, on our job too in our local. So it, it, it goes both ways for sure. You know I mean? What's your, what's your line, Kurt? What do you say? What, you know, what's your one set, couple sentences? Well, looking for, them in the eye? for me, it's always vote your paycheck. Who supports you is, is who we're going to support. That's, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Vote your paycheck. But you get to be yourself, too. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Absolutely. You can, be, you can be whoever you want. You can vote for whoever you want. But at the end of the day, if, um, if legislators, city council, board of supervisors, any of those individuals out there that make decisions on your life, your, your pocketbook issues, you know, if you're not involved or if, if you're not involved in politics, you don't care about it. Um, the, the one term I love to always say, you know, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu. That's how it works across the board. I, and and I, I agree with that. He, he does say vote your paycheck all the time. So, uh, <laughs> and you know, when I came on over 20 years ago, our, our, our veteran members on our job was, that was it, vote your paycheck. And that's what you did. Right. Right. When you came on, uh, I think our newer members that are coming on, I don't think that message really works with them without having the information behind it of why. So to just come in and say, well, you vote your paycheck. They're not going to do it because right. there, there, there's a lot of other things in play for them. So having the, the background about why this is you're voting your paycheck, we're putting out what is best for your paycheck. 
right? And, but this is why we're doing it. Right. So the information behind it is huge to, I think, our newer members that are coming on. The, the days of, of, you know, the old war vets telling us, vote your paycheck, and that's what you did because they were in charge. Right. It, our, I think those days are pretty much gone now. So they, they want information of why, for sure. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And, and I think that's good. Again, they need to balance their information, though, too. I mean, just using one source... Uh, you need to, to look at multiple sources when you, while you're educating yourself and having these conversations. Just because, again, it, it's happened to me more often than not. Well, you know, n people won't ask. They make an assumption that I'm a Democrat. They just do it. They don't, they don't, they don't understand what, what issues I represent and stuff like that. They just make, it, make that assumption, which, again, it goes to call across all facets of stuff nowadays. People just make assumptions about people instead of actually having a conversation with them, understanding, trying to understand their issue. You don't have to agree, but you need to have a conversation. And unless we continue to do more of that, I, I think we're going to continue to struggle and we're going to go farther to the right. I think I told this uh, a friend of mine, he's a congressman out of the—, the um, Midwest, and we served in the military together, and, and he, he would be more right-leaning. And he and I had a, a fairly frank discussion about, you know what, I think more, more often than not that most Americans are closer together than they are farther apart. The only ones that you hear are the ones on the far right, the far left. But if you actually poll most Americans that most of them are closer together when you realize, and we need to get back to having conversations and not shouting matches. Really, wages, hours, working conditions, health and safety, uh, benefits, laws and regulations that allow our members to raise their family on a single income if they choose. I refuse to give up on the American dream. And those are my politics. And, and that's what I want to drive down as a leader um, to, our, to our executive board and to our locals. And I think the challenge that out of just listening to this conversation, the challenge that I want to take on next is driving that message across both sides of the aisle. And if, if we're successful as dri at driving that message, we're going to be successful for our members. We're probably going to get a lot of deaf ears here and there, um, but it's going, to be, it's going to be worth it. That's what I want for our members. That's what I want for our union. And I think that if we can achieve that, um, a rising tide lifts all boats because the wolf is at the door and, you know, to our members, I'll leave you with this. If you don't think um, somebody's coming for you, you're crazy. If, you know, public love that we enjoy quite a public trust, but I'll, I'll be honest with, with the men and women out there, the people that are on the finance side, if they could replace you with an 1150 an hour worker, they would do it. And you and I know that what you give, you're, you're worth every cent um, that, you, that you are paid and every benefit because of your willingness and um, your sworn stature. But don't ever kid yourself. The wolf is at the door and, and they're coming. So, well... We could probably go on this topic forever, um, but uh, we're uh, we're out of time. Jason, Kurt, and Mike, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time, Kurt and Jason, in particular, for coming up from uh, coming up to Sacramento from LA to uh, to be a part of this conversation. Brian, as always, 
Thank you. Uh, and thanks to everybody listening. Um, we are always interested in getting your feedback, comments, and criticism. I suspect we'll have a, a comment or two on this, uh, on this topic. Uh, tell us what you'd like to hear about. Drop us a line at info at uh, cpf.org. You can find CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and at the CPF website, www.cpf.org. We will also start posting podcast updates at the CPF YouTube page. Just search on YouTube for California Professional Firefighters. CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Farah Dayani. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. I'm Carol Wills, and please join us next month for another episode of CPF Firewire.